verses as we continue to look at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I hope you have been internalizing uh, the Lord's Prayer and using it uh, in your uh, private prayer time, in your devotional time. Uh, I certainly have found it uh, very rewarding, but also very timely as we pray to our Father who is in heaven and pray that His name would be hallowed and recognized as holy and that the holiness of God would would then seep into our lives and through us then into our culture and the world, world around us. And so we pray, you know, Father, hallowed be thy name. And this morning we come to the, the phrase that is thy kingdom come. Your kingdom come, if you're not into King James. I learned it, King James, you'll forgive me. But it's, it's thy kingdom come. Um, and I've got to ask myself, now, really, who's in charge here? I mean, that, that's a basic question, isn't it, in the world? Who's in charge here? A lot of what we're seeing on the television today is the battling back and forth of who's going to be in charge, maybe not officially and with a title, but whose thoughts, whose philosophy, whose ideas, whose programs, whose politics, uh, whose economic theory. You know, who's in charge here? And this morning what we learn is that we pray, God, would you please be in charge here? And be the only one in charge here. And everybody else just give way to who you are. See, the Jews of Jesus' day asked much the same question. um, And they said, who's in charge? And they knew that, well, politically the Romans are in charge. They're the ones with all the power and the army and the uh, the enforcement uh, mechanisms. They're the ones who can tell you what to do and make you do it and punish you if you don't. So... The Romans are are in charge, but really the Jewish people should be in charge. Our traditions, our our scriptures, our religion, these things should be in charge. And and so they, they knew who was in charge and they knew who they wanted to be in charge. But God said, actually, I'm I'm going to be in charge. And when the Jews looked at it, they said, yes. God used to be in charge. You, you read the scriptures and you see all the great things that God used to do. They had the Old Testament and they would look at the miracles of the Old Testament. They would look at the prophets of the Old Testament. They would look at the uh, way that God led his people in the Old Testament and set them free in the Old Testament. And they would be the first to tell you, yes, yes, in point of fact, God was in charge back then. God used to do things. And they would also say, you know, and God will do something later. God will be in charge again someday. Now, the, the, the day is coming when the day of the Lord comes and his judgment comes and, and he brings Israel back from being scattered abroad and, and we all come together and Israel is justified and, and, and we just have this great celebration of God's kingship in our midst. And so they would say, yeah, God will be in charge someday. And so the Jews of Jesus' day, they said, God used to be in charge, and he's going to be in charge, but he's just not in charge now. Kind of like what we're doing. We look at the Bible and say, yeah, God used to do great things. And we believe in the second coming of Jesus, and so we know God will do great things. It's just he's not doing anything now. One of the radical things Jesus did when he came and taught the people was he said, look, God's in charge now, and his kingdom is now. If you wanted to summarize the preaching of Jesus, you would do it the way that the Gospel of Matthew and and Mark do. You, You would say that Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is right here. It's right now. 
And that kingdom rule of God right now puts your life into a crisis. You need to repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your self-centeredness. Turn away from your reliance upon other things. The kingdom of God is now repent from where you've been and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so that you'll, you'll, you'll have that restored relationship as the sin problem is removed from you. So the central part of the teaching of Jesus, if you wanted to summarize it, you could say it this way. The kingdom of God is now. God is in charge right now. I think that's why he had so many parables that started off with something like, the kingdom of heaven is like. You know, Have you read those? Well, if you haven't, you'll hear about a few of them. Matthew 13, there's a, there's a bunch of them, but among others, it says, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went out and planted in his field. He planted wheat. And when he got it all planted, he went home and all the workers, they went to sleep. And during the night, his enemy came in and planted weeds. Same guy who plants them in my yard. <laughs> and then as they saw the, 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 the growth in the field, his workers came to him. They said to the man, they said, look, we planted wheat, but now there, there's wheat and there's weeds in our field. Shouldn't we go out and get rid of the weeds and make everything just the way it ought to be? And the master said, no, don't do that. Because as you're ripping out the weeds, you will also rip out the wheat. And you're not smart enough to really tell the difference between the two well enough that you won't do some damage here. He says, let it go. Because at the harvest time, we'll separate them. And when we separate them, we'll take in the wheat and we'll burn the weeds. And there'll be a judgment then. See, the kingdom of God is like that. The, the kingdom has this, this mixture uh, right now in its historical setting because we're frail human beings and, and the way that we live out our faith and live out our, our, our Christian beliefs isn't quite perfect and we, and we stumble and we fall and we, we make all kinds of mistakes. And you know, if God were to bring judgment upon us instantaneously, we'd be gone by now. But in His mercy, He withholds His judgment, giving us time to repent, allowing us to come back into alignment where he wants us to be. And so the kingdom of God is this, as, as Randy talked about last week, it's, this, it's sort of this messy thing where we're, we're doing uh, human life and trying to reflect the kingdom of God. And we don't always quite make it, but the kingdom of God is like that right now. The kingdom of God is like a woman who took yeast and leaven and she put it in three measures of flour. But then the... The, the yeast that she put in, it just grew until it, it, it was everywhere. Because the kingdom of God is like that. You know, it starts out and you think it's only here and only there. And the wonderful thing is as you, as you, as you develop your relationship with Christ and you look more and more around you, you start to see God is not dead. He does not sleep. He's still at work in this world. You start to see that the kingdom of God that you thought was so small and hidden in, 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 in just a corner of the world and just nobody else pay, paying attention, you start to see God's at work everywhere. And there's no limit to God. Kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is, is like that. Kingdom of God is like a, a man who went into the marketplace and as he was going through the flea market table, he found there that somebody had put up for sale a pearl of great price. 
And he went out and he sold everything that he had so he could go and possess this wondrous, beautiful pearl. The kingdom of God is like that. When you finally see the glory and the wonder of God's sovereign reign over us, you're willing to give up everything for it. When you finally start to see that this pearl, this wondrous kingdom of God is so beautiful and marvelous and valuable that you will not hang on to any of the things that are dragging us down anymore. You'll see that the kingdom of God is worth selling absolutely everything. He said the kingdom of heaven is is like some guys who went out fishing. And they cast their net out and they got a bunch of fish, but there's all kinds of fish, some of them edible, some of them not edible. But they dragged them all in. And through this very messy and sloppy process, when they got on shore, they started taking out the good fish and they threw the others back. Because the kingdom of heaven is about a growing process and a sorting process and there's there's things that, that need to go and there's things that need to be kept and, and it's just sort of a, a, a working process as you, as you work that together. So Jesus came preaching, said the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of challenging. It's not... It, 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 and, and because it's, it's manifesting itself in, in imperfect human beings, there's, there's going to be a lot of, of, of sifting that's going to go on. And his challenge was, you be a part of the good fish that are kept. You be part of the wheat that is kept. But in the end, it's worth selling everything that you have for the sake of knowing the kingdom of God in your life. When he worked parables, he was pointing to the kingdom of God. Uh, one time he was challenged about what, you know, how he was doing para- uh, miracles and things. And uh, Jesus said it this way. He said, look, if I by the finger of God cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if you're, if you're seeing the power of Jesus, what you're seeing is the power of God's kingdom come into your midst. You can't look at your life the same way anymore. You can't explain it in the old categories anymore. You can't just go along with the crowd's understanding anymore because if Jesus really does work by the power of God's finger in your midst, the kingdom of God is real and it's there and it's at hand and you must respond to it. When he was before Pilate, you know, Pilate was asking him about this. You know, the, you know the, your accusers, these, these Jewish people, they're, they're saying that you're a king. Are you a king? He says, yeah, okay, I'm a king. But my kingdom, he says, this is John 18, 34. He says, but my kingdom is not of this world. He says, if my kingdom was a kingdom just like this world's kingdoms, then my followers, they would fight for me right now. He said, if I were just another political movement, coming across the landscape of Palestine, if I was just another kingdom like you've known before, then my followers, they would have gone to battle by now. said, but my kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom that claims this world. But it's not a worldly kingdom. By the way, one of, that things, one of the things that means is that The kingdom of God is not competing with other kingdoms. He reigns pure and simple. The kingdom of God is not going to share authority with any other kingdom. God alone has the power and the sovereignty. 
The kingdom of God is not going to be just a movement in history that morphs into something else and adjusts to the times and, and changes so that, so that it might be, quote, relevant. The kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom with an eternal king. Unchanging, immutable, powerful, wondrous, eternal and everlasting. That is the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus was about to leave his disciples and ascend into heaven, the disciples, they, they, they got it that Jesus was talking about the kingdom. They did not get it what the kingdom really was. And so they, they said, Acts chapter 1, they said, look, Jesus, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is now the time that we get to shine? Is now the time that we get to just be vindicated in, in, in front of the world? And basically, Jesus said, you guys, you don't understand what you're talking about. But here's what you do. Because my kingdom is real and because I am sovereign over all the nations, you tarry in Jerusalem and you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that'll make you missionaries and that'll make you witnesses. And you'll go to Jerusalem and you'll go to Judea and Samaria. You'll go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Like leaven put in three measures of flour until you fill the whole of it all. So Jesus said, yeah, it's all about God's kingdom. But then when he was explaining the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, in Luke's gospel, he just says, well, uh, you know, uh, thy kingdom come. But it's sort of a fuller explanation of that in, in the gospel of Luke is thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let let the will of God reign supreme over us. Not the advice of God, not the wouldn't it be nice of God, but the will of God as it is in heaven. Let it happen here on earth. You see, when you pray, thy kingdom come, it results in a change in who we are. It has to result in a change in how we live, that God's kingdom and his will become ours. So that in heaven, when God speaks his will, the angels with alacrity go to do the will and the bidding of God. They don't hesitate. The angels don't debate. The angels don't ask if there's a better way. The angels don't try to decide if, if, if the timing's right. They simply do what God asks them to do. Thy will be done in my life the way it's done in heaven among the angels. And when the angels do the will of God, it's with delight and with joy. Because that is their purpose and that is their, their pleasure and that is their joy. Thy will become. Let me, let me do the will of God just like it's done in heaven. Let it be a heavenly thing in my life. That I would do the will of God no matter what. That his kingdom rule. His king, kingdom would just reign in me and through me and, and totally possess me and, and take me in its entirety. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there are some things about the kingdom. I want, I want to just give you a couple of insights into this, if I can uh, read you a few scriptures here. There was a time when a man came to Jesus and he said, look, I want to get into this kingdom. I want to be a part of this kingdom. And Jesus said, well, that's, that's nice. Uh, what do you got? He said, well, I, I've kept the commandments. I'm a righteous man. I'm, I'm, I'm really into this this religious living thing. I've kept the commandments since I was a youth. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Because he loved him, he said this, you lack something. What you lack 
is that you need to go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. See, evidently the kingdom is, is about giving up everything and putting all your life's resources at the disposal of the king. Evidently, living in the kingdom power is a matter of, of, of surrendering all that you are and all that you have, every thought, every, every predilection, every feeling, every sensitivity, every emotion, surrendering it all to Christ and following him. That's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And then another man came to Jesus and, and, he, and he said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is worthy of the kingdom of God. You can't plow straight and keep a looking back. Now, I know in modern farming, the plow is behind the tractor, so you have to look back, but you get the point. In the old-fashioned plowing, it's in front of you. You can't look back and plow straight. Evidently, the kingdom requires a full-hearted orientation towards the king without hesitation, without lingering in the things of the world. You just have to, have to be there. Um, another time, Jesus said this to them. He says, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these other things will be added to you. All these things that you think are so important, whether it's food or it's clothing, whether it's all the anxiety you have because you watch too much news, whether it's because you think that the world's falling apart around you and all it's doing is just living up to its own nature. And all this anxiety that you have, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the righteousness of God, the righteous reign of God. All these other things, they'll take care of themselves if you seek the kingdom first. And, and then, then finally, uh, Jesus one time, uh, when the disciples were trying to keep the kids from pestering him. You remember that? And Jesus said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. That's how we come into the kingdom. We come in as children. That's why we start praying, our Father who's in heaven. Because as His children, now, Father, let Your kingdom come into the world. Let Your kingdom come into my life. See, the kingdom of God is all about a person. It's about Jesus Christ. There's, there's some senses in which you can say Christianity is a philosophy. In fact, the ancient peoples referred to Christianity as a philosophy, but it's more than a philosophy. It's not just an idea about how to live. It's not a collection of principles whereby you derive the definition of the good, you know, those kinds of metaphysical things. Christianity is not a philosophy. It's a relationship with a person, Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ who, when he comes again, will be seen by every eye. And even those who pierced him will see him, the book of Revelation tells us. And when they see him, every knee is going to bow, whether it's a knee in heaven or on earth or underneath the earth. And every tongue is going to confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
There's coming a time when every eye will, will see. Every tongue will confess. Every heart will know that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Any king we worship now will be gone. Any power we think is substantial now will be gone. Anything that we think is worthy of our lives will be gone. And Jesus Christ alone shall reign upon the throne. He alone will be the Lamb standing as if slain in the midst of God's throne with all the panoply of heaven surrounding Him and worshiping Him and calling out His glory. So when I pray, Thy kingdom come, I'm saying, Jesus, be Lord and be be sovereign and be master. Be king of my life, Lord. That's what it means to say, Thy kingdom come. It's about a person. And it's about a purpose. The purpose of the kingdom is the king. The purpose of the kingdom is the glory of God. That's why, you know, for so long we've been saying the most... Uh, the most uh, uh, relevant thing you can do, the most practical thing you can do with your life is live for the glory of God. Live for the glory of the King. Don't get sidetracked into other things. Don't get trapped into other things. But rather, live for the glory of God because that's the purpose of God, His own glory. That's the purpose of creation to sing out the glory of God. That's the purpose of your life. That's why you were created, to give God honor, glory, and praise to the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom is about a purpose. And the kingdom is about a power. And it's not a power that's found on earth. It's the power of the Holy Spirit of God. See, when you, when you ask Christ into your heart as your Lord and your Savior, God sends you the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. Now, we can grieve the Holy Spirit and we can disobey the Holy Spirit, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is there to bring conviction when we sin, to bring encouragement when we are weak, to bring guidance when we are, when we are confused. The kingdom of God is about the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives now and threw us into the world around us. The kingdom of God is about a promise. Because let's face it, you look at the world, and a lot of times you don't see kingdom of God. You don't, you don't see God's holy reign. You don't see his majesty. You don't see his, his wonder and his beauty being played out in front of you. But the promise is this, that Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, he will set all things right. There'll be a new heaven. There'll be a new earth. The sea will have passed away. Sea is a symbol of chaos and and, and death and and, 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 and the darkness. But when he comes, there'll be a new creation. And there'll be no more tears. And there'll be no more death. And there'll be no more illness. There'll be no more hatred. And there'll be no more prejudice and bigotry. There'll be no more of those things that are so polluting our lives today. And that is the promise of God. And the neat thing is, what He has promised to be is already true now. When by faith we ask for the coming of the kingdom of God into our midst. So the kingdom of God is a person. It's a, it's a, a, a purpose. It's a power. It's a promise. And the kingdom of God is a prayer. 
And that's why I've been asking you to incorporate the Lord's Prayer into your, into your private devotions, into your daily devotions. I, you know, maybe, maybe you're going to feel too high church and, and, you know, oh, that's religion. No, Jesus gave us this prayer. In fact, this is such a precious prayer that the very first Christians in the, in the first century would not let anybody pray the prayer who had not been baptized. It was a prayer for believers and believers only because they saw in it what we've been saying all along. Is that there in the Lord's Prayer you see the teaching of Jesus that changes our lives. And when you pray the Lord's Prayer, and think it through, pray it, not say it, then it, it has to change you. And so Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come. God be sovereign, the master and Lord in the world around me. But begin in my life. Show me what needs to change so that I can do your will with the speed and the joy with which your will is done in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Let's bow together in prayer. And gracious Father, how we long to see your righteousness around us and more so the righteous, your righteousness within us. How we long to see your holiness honored and glorified around us. But first, let your holiness be known and honored within us. Father, how we long to see your goodness, your beauty, your wonder, your love, your grace, your mercy in the world around us. Father, how we long to see it within us. And so, Father, we pray that you would work in us, through us, around us, so that in all these things we see your majesty and give you the glory for it all, and thereby we see, Father, thy kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.